can remember a lot of times growing up whenever someone would give me something or someone would do something for me, I'd inevitably get a little nudge from mom and dad and they'd say, now what do you say? And I'd smile and say, thank you. Or, you know, when I say, yeah, I say, yeah, I say, answer a question, yeah, and they say, what is that? I said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. If you're a parent, I've heard you've had the experience of trying to teach your kids, please and thank you, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, no, ma'am. If you're a kid, you have probably experienced these things at some point with varying success, have remembered to do it. I think a lot of times when I think of gratitude, I all, my, my first reaction is to that kind of like the, the childhood lesson, right? What do you say? Thank you. And it kind of feels like it's genuine. It's there. But it's almost like a forced, maybe superficial reality. I say, thank you. Like, what do you say? It's just the polite thing, the nice thing to do. It's good to show gratitude to people. And I think oftentimes because that's how I think about it, I miss the deeper spiritual reality of what gratitude can do for our hearts that I think both specifically the first reading in the gospel show to us today. Both Naaman and these lepers have experiences and encounters with God precisely through the grace of gratitude that I think are important for us to reflect upon in our own spiritual walk with the Lord. Now, first reading, we did, all we heard was just the very end of the story of Naaman's healing today. Naaman was, was a very high-ranking official in the Syrian army. He was like number, number two, number three in command, very trusted, very powerful, very successful, one of the king's most trusted advisors. The thing with Naaman, though, is that he had leprosy, like the reading says, which, number one, was just about the biggest stigma that you can have at that time. That instantly made you an outcast. You weren't allowed to go near anybody or anything ever. And it was a death sentence. There was no cure for it. It would, it would eventually kill you. So Naaman, just imagine him being the successful, great, respected military commander, but also knowing that he had leprosy. I'd imagine that's something that, at at best, he tried to keep secret, didn't want anyone to know about it. So he's on the external appearances, living this very successful life, but interiorly has this thing that he's carrying that he's got to keep secret at all costs, because if people find out, then then he's kicked out, right? So this is the the, the life, almost like the double life that Naaman is, is living right now. And there's no cure. And he hears, by, because of an Israelite girl he had actually kidnapped, he hears about this prophet in Israel who works all these great miracles. He's even raised people from the dead. And Naaman thinks, maybe this guy can help me. Maybe if I go to him, maybe if I can go and, and this guy, maybe he can cure me of this disease and I finally won't have to live with this thing anymore that I've been carrying my whole life. So Naaman, and he takes a couple of, 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 of soldiers, and they go to Israel from Syria to go to find Elisha the prophet. And they get there, and Elisha sends out a servant to Naaman and says, go jump in the river Jordan, you'll be cured. So Naaman hears that, and initially he's furious, he's angry, he's, he, he wants to storm off and go home, he wants nothing to do with this. Because number one, like he's an important guy who's come all this way, and Elisha couldn't even come out to see him, he sends out a servant to give him a message, first of all. And then second of all, he tells him to go jump in the river Jordan, and he'll be cured. Now, the river Jordan, if you, if you see it in the Holy Land, to this day, looks like an exalted ditch. It's not a big river, it, you can't even tell it's moving, it's muddy water, it makes Bayou Lafouche look majestic. So Naaman hears from Elisha, go jump in the ditch and you'll be fine, right? He thinks, that's ridiculous, why would I do that? There's greater rivers than where I come from, why, like, this, the audacity of this guy. And so he says, I'm going home, I'm not, I'm not messing with this. 
One of Naaman's soldiers, though, stops him and says, like, look, you've come all this way. This guy is asking you to do something so simple. If he would ask you to do something great, incredible, some big, dramatic thing, you would have done it, no problem. But he's asking you to do this very simple thing. What do you have to lose? Just go in the Jordan River and do it, and, and, and maybe it'll work, right? So Naaman, by, by grace, listens to his friend and goes in the Jordan River and is cleansed. Naaman, I think, shows us an important element about gratitude and that oftentimes what closes my heart to gratitude is when I am locked in the expectations of what I think I should be receiving. I want this and I want to receive it in this way at this time through these people. And what that does is that it closes my heart from receiving an actual gift. If I'm going to be grateful for something, I have to recognize the gift that I'm receiving, which means I have to be open to it. If I, like, demand something from somebody and they give it to me, like, that's not actually gratitude. That's just, like, me being self-justified and having my desires fulfilled. Naaman is invited and does to take a step of faith, to let go of the expectations, to let go of, of whatever he thinks should happen, to trust that if he gives God a chance, that God would show up. Not in a way that he expects, but because he trusts in God, he thinks maybe there's a chance that this could work. He takes a step of faith, and his heart is actually open to receiving a gift. And look at the effect of that. Naaman was not an Israelite. He didn't know the God of Israel. But after this experience, because he took a step of faith, Naaman now says, he comes to Elisha and says, Now I know that there is no other God in all the world except in Israel. And I will no longer offer any sacrifice to any other God except to the Lord, to the God of Israel. Naaman's heart is transformed because he lets go of his expectations and takes a step of faith and gives God the chance to give him that gift. There's a similar dynamic going on in the gospel as well. These ten lepers who come to Jesus, they've heard the miracles, they've actually, like, he's cured lepers before, they know he can do this. So they come to Jesus and they say, like, Master, heal us, have pity on us. And Jesus, look what he does. They've seen Jesus heal like that. He touched them and they're cured. Jesus says, go to the priests. These men have to turn around and walk away from Jesus uncured. Jesus, in that moment, did nothing to them. They have to, to leave him, thinking, maybe he, why wouldn't he do it? Why didn't he answer the prayer? Why didn't, he, why didn't he heal us, right? They had to let go of the expectations, take a step of faith, and trust that in somehow, in some way, God would answer that prayer. And in taking the step of faith, that they were cured. Now, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm sure that I hope the other nine lepers were, were grateful. I hope that there was something going on in their hearts. But we see this one leper who teaches us something important also about the reality of gratitude. It's the importance of taking time to acknowledge the gift that we have received. This one leper, when he recognizes what's been given to him, comes back and falls at Jesus' feet and says, thank you. Thank you for, for answering my prayer. Thank you for giving me this great gift. We experience this when we give someone a gift and whenever we receive a very genuine, heartfelt thank you, that does something to your heart. And when I offer a heartfelt thank you to somebody, that also does something to your heart. 
Whenever I take the time to acknowledge the gift, it transforms me and it helps me to notice gifts and it, it almost like configures my heart to be aware and to open to recognizing the gifts that God, God does give us that maybe we don't recognize in the moment. Maybe things are difficult and I don't see what God is doing. When I'm, an inten- when I'm intentional about offering God these times of thanksgiving, it trains my heart to see gifts in difficult places, to encounter God in times where perhaps ordinarily it would be difficult to encounter Him. The grace of gratitude transforms us. And if I'm open to, to the gift, if I let go of my expectations, and I, I acknowledge the gift that I have been given, like that, that, that brings me to an encounter with the living God. And that particular grace is what brings us to Mass. We celebrate the Eucharist. The word Eucharist literally means thanksgiving. We come here not, not necessarily primarily to receive or to, to get something, but to offer God worship and gratitude for all that He has done for me. The deepest reality of coming to Mass is not about what I get, but it's about what I, can, what I offer to God. To offer Him, God, thank you for all that you have given me. Thank you as I receive like the body and blood of, of you, of your Son. Thank you for dwelling within my heart and within my life. So that's what, the primary reason we come here today. Less so to receive. There's an importance to receiving. And we all do need to be fed in our spiritual life. But acts of worship are acts of giving thanks to God for how good He is. And when I do that, when I take time, not so much to focus on what I get, I get communion, but to offer to God thanksgiving, it transforms my heart and allows me to encounter Him anew. Pray today that as we celebrate this Mass of Thanksgiving, that we could receive that grace of gratitude. God, thank you for giving me the greatest gift that I could ever imagine today. The gift of your body and blood in the Eucharist. May the Lord grant us that grace of gratitude to encounter him anew today. Amen.